0: Hoping for a life more sweeter.
1: Instead, I'm just a story repeating.
0: Why do I feel my skin dark as night? More
2: life, more you are back with the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. This is Catherine Cruz. Today, we kick off Black History Month with a roundtable talk about race and what it's like being black here in the islands. Joining us today, Sergeant James Terry of the Maui Police Department. He's a 20-year veteran. He's been a member of the Crisis Intervention Team and Peer Support Division and has worked with the Special Olympics. Sergeant Terry has also spent his off time coaching girls basketball, air rifle, football and martial arts at Maui High School. He has a degree in psychology from the University of Oregon and was a researcher and contributor for the 15-volume anthology of the Martin Luther King Jr. Papers Project at Stanford University. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. Also at the table, Maya Marquez. Uh, Maya moved to Maui with her son nearly four years ago from her hometown of Los Angeles in hopes of a safer life for her son. She's a masseuse, a birth and death doula. And, you know, when her son asked her what he could do not to be killed by the police after the death of George Floyd, she stepped into the territory of political activism. Since then, Maya has organized several events in support of Black Lives Matter on Maui. Uh, She's become a voice of advocacy for her community, exploring the relationship between the black community and the Maui Police Department. She's a descendant of the Berber tribe and uses her roots to help guide her black and African advocacy here in the islands. Good morning, Maya. Aloha. I'm so glad you could be with us. And rounding out uh, our uh, uh, roundtable talk. Kamaka Kehau Fernandez. Uh, listeners may be familiar with him. He's an accomplished musician, best known for his Hawaiian falsetto. At just six weeks, uh, Kamaka Kehau was adopted by a family living here in Hawaii. Fluent in his n- adoptive tongue, Kamaka Kehau has won several awards, including the coveted Nahoku Hanohano Award. He identifies as a Hawaiian and often says he has an African-American exterior and Hawaiian interior. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Kamaka
3: good morning
2: you know so I'm just gonna go around the table uh, maybe start with you uh, Sergeant Terry no I guess we should probably uh, start off you're here representing yourself not as part of uh, Maui Police Department right
3: correct
2: and so how did you mark a Martin Luther King holiday
3: well it was a day of remembrance for me, actually, because I had to work. But it was a day of, you know, remembrance, reflection, where we've come, which steps were taken back, of the progress that we've made in the last four years, uh, all of that what was achieved before how it was dismantled. Uh, so yeah, it was a day of reflection for me.
2: And uh, you know, with this whole Black Lives uh, movement, uh, you know, taking shape across the country. Uh, you know, did this holiday, I don't know, have more meaning for you?
3: No, I've always been cognizant of the struggle that we've had. Uh, it's good that it's being brought to the to the forefront. The movement is definitely brought into the perspective of those that were oblivious to what was, was happening prior uh-huh. to the advent of social media. So I, I am very happy for the Black Lives Movement because it brings it to those that were, were not cognizant.
2: And Maya, how did you mark the holiday? Um,
4: I marked the holiday with my son um, spending the day at the beach, and we also listened to my favorite MLK speech, which is, What is Your Life's Blueprint? Which is one of my favorite of his.
2: And you moved here because you wanted your son to be safe.
4: Yeah, I did. Uh, I grew up. In the 90s in LA, and it was not a safe place, and it's still not a safe place for black men in particular. Um, So, I wanted to give my son the opportunity to not, you know, go the prison to school pipeline or school to prison pipeline, which is
2: so common. Well, we all remember the, you know, the Rodney King um, riots, and that was just horrific back then. I was ten years old, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And and uh, what were your thoughts when you started to see the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement um, take shape? Like like Sergeant Terry mentioned, you know, I, I was appreciative
4: of the awareness that was brought through social media. That prior, you know, social media we didn't have that. Um, it was mostly just news sources or newspapers that would give you your information. And this gave a more overall view on how people were feeling
2: emotionally. Yeah, really put it into sharp focus.
4: Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it was really about advocating for my son. You know, after he told me, how can I not be killed by the police? It really hit me hard Um, because that is a real reality for him.
2: Yeah, that's so scary. As a mom, yeah. you just worry for your children. And Kamako, Yeah, exactly. Kamako, uh, what about you? Uh, did you do anything special for uh, Martin Luther King Day?
5: Um, I, I shared some of the same sentiments uh, as, as President Kerry and, and Maya. Um, you know, for me, it was um, I've actually taken to utilizing my social media a lot more to um, to you know advocate for the and bring awareness. Um you know, for everything that's going on, um, it's been it's been a journey for me, you know, growing up in Hawaii, you know never not really having to uh, worry too much about um you know some of the things we're witnessing with, with you know police brutality and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I grew up, I grew up Hawaii way where everything is accepted, everyone is is accepted and and love for the most part, at least that is what my story would share. Um, although mm. I know that many have had uh, their their own experiences while being here in Hawaii. Um, but um, it, it just feels so applicable, you know, to everything I mean that's that that's going on, you know, what Martin Luther King was fighting for, so And continue you, to describe
2: Now you grew up in Maui uh, but live here on Oahu.
5: Correct, yeah grew up in Maui, did uh, everything Hawaiian from hula to language, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I uh, after graduating, it was a uh, uh, opportunity for me to come to Oahu and, um, you know, further my career in music. Uh, yeah, so I've been here for about 13 years.
2: Well, I just want to say I've uh, really enjoyed your music, and I remember w- mm. when I found out you were black, I was like, "Really?" I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. <laughs> um, but did, did you march? Yeah. In, did you march in uh, uh, any of the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, gatherings, the rallies that th- were held here?
5: Yes, uh, I did. I did have um, uh show solidarity, you know, in, in all of it.
2: And you know, uh, just before the show started, I'd mentioned that I w- had watched the big one that. Uh, uh, launched from Ala Moana Beach Park and uh, one moment that struck me because I was in my car and we were at a uh, traffic light uh there was a police officer uh, by the old uh, uh advertiser news- newspaper building and uh during the uh during the march uh, there was someone that ran up and gave that police officer a big bear hug and uh, uh, sergeant Terry I understand you were that guy
3: mm-hmm. Well, no, I thought you were talking about the one that was here on Maui. If it was on Oahu, <laughs> oh. that wasn't
2: me. I, okay. I, I
3: had it confused. Yeah, I, was, I did the one where the – actually, it wasn't a – it was just a demonstration, and someone came up and gave me a hug. That's the one I thought you were talking about. Yeah, I'm on Maui, not Oahu.
2: Ah, okay. I wasn't sure if you were over here. Yeah, but that was just something, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, that touched my heart, uh, that uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that I saw that that day because that put everything in, in perspective. Uh, so Kamaka, um, what was it like growing up here in the islands as a black man?
5: Oh well, um, growing up for Hawaii, uh, growing up here in Hawaii for me uh, was was just as as normal as can be. As a human being who was unconditionally loved, uh, my mother. Um, both my parents were married at one point, but later on, it was just my mom who raised me for. Um, you know, the extent of her life, um, and, uh, you know, she wanted me to have the same experiences as uh, as her nieces and nephews, uh, because both of her siblings were educators in, in the Hawaiian language schooling, and um, so I was enrolled in the Hawaiian language uh, Kula Kayapuni, as they call it, um,
3: and we all, you know, we all got along,
5: we all, you know, did it, it was ohana you know it's a ohana based school family based school so um it was pretty pretty normal for the most part
2: <laughs> well you know i i just wonder you know because uh you know my son who is a half Howdy. Uh, remember when he was a little kid he came home and he said mom the kids were teasing me they said i'm i'm haole and he says i'm not howly and i'm like well oh. you're kind of half Howdy because papa's white you know, and I don't know. Did you get that? I mean, being Popolo. I mean, I don't know. What did you feel?
5: So I really didn't experience too much of that until um, I I began to entertain a lot more, uh, and it was a lot of oh, you know, how's the Popolo it? You heard the Popolo brother singing Hawaiian music and you know things like that, um, but just like other words that are, English words that are used to describe a black person, um, you know, it all comes down to, you know, how it's being presented, you know. Um, And I've never um, been disrespected in that way.
2: And you know, uh, there are different chapters of the uh, Black Lives uh, Matter movement, you know, across the state. Uh, one of our producers, Jason Ubay, reached out to Dangelo uh, McIntyre, who is the founder of Black Lives Matter Hawaii Island. Uh, he moved here from Louisville, Kentucky, when he was 11 years old. Uh, moved to the Big Island to join the protests against the 30-meter telescope construction on Mauna Kea. Here's what he said about that experience.
0: So, over the years um, before Black Lives Matter, I have been called a <laughs> um, and. And, like, even uh, in dating scenes when uh, I was trying to date, you know, other men, a lot of them would assume things about uh, my manhood just based off of my, uh, my ethnicity. Also, just being treated with the same disdain and disrespect that I would see in Kentucky sometimes. It was It was really shocking. But as Black Lives Matter became a thing... And, and this is important, especially last year, I saw a lot of the Kia'i that I stood in solidarity with just months before start to turn around and say very self-righteous or even blatant racist things about black people facing the same systems of oppression as they were just six short months ago. And it was so bad that Nauna Kea Kia'i leadership, uh, Pu'uhunu or o Hulu, put out a statement asking the kia'i and telling the kia'i stop it this is anti-black you don't get to tell african-americans how to protest and 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 really trying to tell kanaka look this is this is this is anti-black racism what you're doing right now as we would say you know black lives matter a lot of them got a lot of people here got upset and were like well no all lives matter and what hurts is that it's it's so it's it's a large part of the of the Kanaka Maoli, the native population, that have a history with white supremacy. You know, will sit there and understand that the overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom at the hands of sugar barons was brought about and led by white supremacists, but then don't understand their own role in furthering white supremacy, especially when they're being outright racist towards African-Americans. And in particular, when that cult here last year, carbonation, it got really out of hand, especially on, on social media platforms. And I have screenshots of, of a woman telling a bogus story about, because they tried to uh, say like, like black people were participating in uh, sex trafficking. So like this, like, QAnon, like, sex trafficking thing kind of, like, got to the islands, and they linked it in with the, the sex cult, as the media was calling it, and um, because they were all black people, and then they were hurtful and negative things said on social media. Like, one lady posted, oh, what, because everyone's feeling you now, you think you can come to Hawaii and do whatever you want? Another person posted, kill for polo day. Another guy was caught saying, we need to get these out of here. And then even long after that 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 cold carbonation had been, had left the islands, there were still talks and rumors like they were still here. And it was it was insane. And so ever since Trump has been elected, and especially since the Black Lives Matter summer, the racism here has been really uncovered.
2: I don't know, Kamaka, did you, did you get any of that backlash? Did you feel that?
5: You know, what I can say is that, you know, I mean, I, I love what, you know, what he shared, uh, where, um, you know, we, we tend to be uh, um, placed under a stereotype. Um, you know, and, and things like, even as simple as, you know, reading, like, oh, or you speak so well. You know, when people say, you speak hmm. so well, I'm like, okay, well, how else am I supposed to be speaking? And, you know, it is very true because things have been, um, you know, uncovered and, and brought to the light. Um, you know, a lot of the truth is being is being shared. And, and um, you know, I don't deny any of those just because I personally didn't have these experiences. Um, but... I definitely know that, you know, Hawaii, although we are the state and land of Aloha, um, there are other people who have have uh, moved here that um, do not understand that aloha and therefore they'll act out in you know, in racism and um, you know, things of that sort. So I completely agree with everything you
2: shared. And Maya, what's been your experience since you moved here from LA? Yeah. Well it's been heavy, so um... I, I as well
4: stood on them, that, you know, sound clip resonated with me because I as well stood on the Mauna with the kiauhi, um for Mauna Kea. And it, it does baffle me that um, Kanaka Maoli have these strong sentiments. Um, and it really reminds me of kind of the, the house slave and the field slave and how they were treated So the house slave would generally look down upon the field slave. And it was more of like a domination and subjugation situation of how do we belittle someone even though we are experiencing the same thing just to make ourselves feel better. You know, and I think that um, that's common in many oppressed cultures uh, for that to happen. And my son, when I first moved here... uh, in fourth grade, I believe, fifth grade, was called the N-word, um, and his school did nothing. He, they gave the child lunch detention, and I was really upset about it. My son was upset about it um, because he felt like, oh, I moved to Hawaii. I don't have to deal with that, you know. Um, so I really pushed hard, and I went all the way to the superintendent of the school district, and demanded a meeting and really advocated for my child because I feel that that is my role as his mother of a black son is to really become his advocate and show him my support. Um, And part of the work that Kisa and I are doing here on Maui is to connect, you know, the Kanaka and uh, black community and show that we can be in solidarity together. And we also, you know, had a social media experience here um, where they were accusing a black man. They called him a Pilau Nigerian um, and that he was sex trafficking as well. And I was able to locate the man and he had his car and home broken into and these were all based on social media rumors. So the power of social media can be used in a really positive way or a very negative way, and I think we need to be very aware of
2: that. And James, what's in our community? James, what's been your experience uh, as being part of the um, Maui uh, Police Ohana?
3: Okay, first, let me further alliterate on what Maya said. She forgot—I uh, don't know if she forgot—but also, when they went to that individual's house, they took a lynch mob. There was about mm-hmm. 15, 20 guys with weapons mm-hmm. waiting for the guy. You know, mm-hmm. lynching isn't necessarily with a rope. There can be several ways of lynching. So they went to his house to lynch mm-hmm. him, okay, to that, that individual. So to get on that, I would, I would have to say my experiences here are not good. Uh, I've lived in several states and several countries, and I've always told people the most racist place I've ever lived is here in Hawaii, especially here on Maui. Mm-hmm. When I was on Oahu, it was there, but it wasn't as blatant here. Uh, My most recent experience was the other night I went to Foodland and I'm walking up and this lady, she's doing something and she looks, she sees me, just a fear in her eye. She grabbed her purse and I thought she was going to pass out or something because she saw me. And then she clutched her purse real tight to herself and then she went to her car. I mean, on a daily basis, I experience something, either if it's microaggression, some of it's micro, and then some of it, you know, is just flat out racist, you know, the stuff they say. They may not know it's racist, I'm going to give them that doubt, saying it's blissful ignorance because they live in a vacuum here, that they don't know the things that they say, the things that they do, you know, could be racist. You know, and if it was in a different situation and if I was in a different position, I would probably confront them on it, but half the time i just let it go. So, I'm, I'm sure that I mean, hurts, had, though,
2: you know, when, when you, know, you're, you feel you're a part of this you community. But have
3: lived with it for 56 years, it's common, mm-hmm. right? You just expect it, you live it with it, and you move on. You don't have to like it, but mm-hmm. you cannot let that person's experience dictate how you see yourself and how you act as an individual in society. You know, growing up, my dad always said, you know, be careful of your friends, because they're only one angry moment from calling you, I'm going to say ninja, but we all know what ninja means, as it changing the words, <laughs> there's one angry moment away from calling you a ninja, and that's been proven true, you know, and then... One other thing that uh, here, uh, the term popolo is offensive. LA would probably be a correct term, you know. And so and you know they're saying it and they know that it's wrong because they'll try and ah. change it and say olopop. Oh, well, you know, olopop makai. I know what that's saying, the black cop. But if you know that the word is okay, so why would you change it to olopop instead of popolo cop or popolo makai? Right? So I'm constantly aware of that. I. Anywhere I go, I'm cognizant of who's around, you know, uh, more so than on the mainland, because I know on the mainland if, it, if something's going to happen to me, it's because I'm in the game and the game is drugs or whatever. But here, you know, you don't know. You may have one instance with one person, and they come back with five, six people. And that's happened several times, too, you know, to fight over a, a, what you perceive as a slight. Oh, why are you looking at me? Why are you staring at me? Well, we grew up in a culture that when you speak to people, you look them in the eye. That's not confrontational. You're just speaking with individuals. So navigating that since I've been here has been hard because I'm always used to looking at someone in the eye. You know, I've almost got into a fight, you know, because you hold the door open for somebody and, you know, and then they they get racial with you, you know, because they think that all black men are sexual predators because they see the stereotype. They don't have the experience of living around large numbers of African Americans. So they get their ideas of what black culture is from television.
2: And when Maya moved here, you choose to stay here, even though, you know, you, you feel this, uh, you know, every day.
4: Yeah, I, I do choose, I choose to stay here because I still feel like it's a better option. And because I love Aina and I love Hawaii and I love, you know, all of the melting pot that it is. And that's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing to make that progressive change
2: so that it can be a better world for the keiki. <laughs> Well, if you're just joining the conversation, we're talking about being black in Hawaii, and we like to know what you think. You can join our discussion by calling 941 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, you know, uh, Hawaii has prided itself as a multiracial uh, melting pot, and we celebrate comedians who skewer local ethnic stereotypes. You know, we're thinking Rap Rappinger and Frank DeLima. But D'Angelo McIntyre has a different take on these jokes.
0: Just because there were jokes with Frank DeLima back in the the 70s and 80s or whatever doesn't mean that it was something that was okay. If anything, I think it was highlighting a problem that was existing and people were trying to deal with it as best as they could, and that problem was racism. And now that the comedy and the jokes are over, we're left with the racism.
2: So Kamako, you want to talk about this? (laughs)
5: <laughs> yeah, it, it it is it is so true, and it's something to think about. You know, when I think of, of the word for polo, I think of the the medicinal uh, berry. You know, which is what makes it. Mm-hmm. You know how people identify uh, its color with with the people. Very interesting. But uh, I personally have uh, refrained from from constantly. Um, Utilizing the word "popolo" myself, even when I'm on stage, um, you know, when I was, when I'd be, you know, performing for new crowds. For me, I I thought maybe this is the best way, um, to identify myself, to and Mm -hmm. and have others uh, identify themselves with me. And I realized that you know it was was kind of um, degrading to myself. and, and, and the culture itself, you know, and so I re- I've refrained from jokingly using that uh, that term. Um, but I think it's, yeah, it's definitely time for people to uh, be more conscious on, on, on how they communicate with one another. And, you know, this is one of the reasons uh, why I've, I've utilized my platform to, uh, my notoriety to just begin to bridge ourselves together, and, and my hope is that when we begin to, it, it's not to educate, because we all pretty much have known the history for for centuries, um, but it's just beginning to, getting to know people and having conversations with one another so that everyone can, can be, you know, respected, and, you know, if that's... If that can happen, then, you know, we move on and continue to to, to adapt,
2: right? We do have a caller on the line, Catherine from Kaneohe. Are you there? Yes, aloha. Aloha. Yes,
6: hi. Um, I just wanted to share that I've raised, um, I have been raised here in Honolulu all my life, and I raised my two children who are half black here, and regarding the... um, I think it was the uh, policeman's talk about the word popolo. I've had to look at the word Howly" in different ways, and I think you really have to look at the context and the intent. Um, how can and my family differs over this. Some people won't use it. Some people will. It can be descriptive. It can be divisive. Popolo can have some beautiful meanings. That very represents strength and wellness. And it's a beautiful color that is prized in work. And I think if we use it the wrong way, that's when it turns on us. If I can describe somebody, oh, the Holly girl versus oh, that Holly girl, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very different, and it's very—it's got a lot of nuance to it. Those two words in particular. So you're half black, half Holly. No, my kids are. Your my kids husband are. is African-American.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
6: yeah. And my kids were raised here, um, and they have their own stories and their mm-hmm. own process that they went through and how they view it. So you also can't say everyone is going to experience it this way.
2: Well, we thank you right. for for calling and sharing that uh, thought. Uh, I know I have a friend who recently told me that, uh, you know, with the whole COVID thing and uh, the concern about, uh, you know, outsiders coming in and bringing, you know, COVID with them. Uh, I think her husband is a police officer, and I think he's probably and born and raised, I think, on the North Shore, and he was in Foodland, and someone, you know, said something derogatory and said, you know, go back where you came from, and he's like, oh, I'm from the North Shore. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, uh, it's how you say it sometimes. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, uh, I think to touch base on that is communication and education is key and we cannot discredit other people's emotions or how they feel about being called Popolo. You know, um, Kamaka Kehau at some point may have accepted that more than he does now. That doesn't discredit his experience. You know, and I think it's really important that we just bring that awareness and and educate on the word or how it makes people feel.
5: That's yeah, I. <laughs> I totally agree with that, and, and, and you know, yes, educating ourselves is is key. Um, you know, and the word Holi, when you when you understand and you break it down, what does that mean? So the Ha is the breath of life, right? And ole means life. So in the in the you know, with the history of Hawaii, when does the the settlers came in and, and you know over overtook the island, you know, unfamiliar. In fact, we all a little bit of this howling, you know, because when we go to unfamiliar land, we, we, we do not know about this particular culture. We have no experience mm-hmm. um, to this particular place, so therefore they will become a holiday. Um Rather than their skin color, it is a way of how they carry themselves.
2: Well, uh, I'm a Pacific Islander. I'm a Chamorro from Guam. And I remember I was 11 years old when we first went to the mainland, uh, to California. And we went to go visit my auntie and my cousins. And... uh, we were riding our bicycles, and uh, a truck driver yelled out, "You know, uh, get off the road, you dirty Mexicans!" And I was all mad. I, I'm not Mexican, mm-hmm. and I'm not dirty. And and then I found out later, I am uh, actually part Native American. <laughs> and so, but it was just I, I was just so upset that someone would actually say that, and that was I remember that as, at 11 right. years old.
5: Unconscious, is really, what it is, not unconscious.
2: Yeah, ignorance
4: is bliss for a lot of people.
2: <laughs> so, uh, how do you protect uh, your your child, Maya? You know, from uh, from this? Uh, by educating him
4: mostly, and you know, others around me. But mostly, yeah, teaching him what it's like and what what he will be up against later on in his life as a black man. Um, but also lifting him up and supporting whatever his endeavors may be, regardless of his skin color, and really, you know, uh, helping him defy those stereotypes that he will get. Well, he's not very good at basketball, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, well, like stuff like that. That you don't have to be the certain way because of your skin color.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, too, uh, you know, young children, you know, uh, when you see discrimination and racism early on, it, it does leave an impact on you.
4: It does. For a very, your whole life, I think.
2: Yeah, it scars. You know, if if you're uh, just joining us, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. Uh, we are kicking off Black History Month. Uh, you can join the discussion by calling one 877 We will be taking a pause from uh, regular programming for the m- monthly civil defense siren test, but I do want to acknowledge we're uh, uh, going to have to say aloha to uh, Kamaka Kehao Fernandez because he has to go teach a Hawaiian language class right at noon. Uh, so I do want to thank you, Kamaka, for, uh, for joining us.
5: Thank you so much, and I want to say mahalo uh, to you as well and Sergeant Terry and Maya uh, for all that you do uh, in the community and uh, uh, especially for Maui. I miss home so much, so mahalo.
2: And uh, anything... when you come home. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Anything else that you just want to emphasize uh, to our listeners before you leave?
5: Uh, To be aloha. Uh, Recognize, you know, go ahead and, and, and research what the meaning of aloha is and allow that to resonate in your spirit, in your heart, and and, uh, carry on throughout your time here on Earth. Be aloha.
2: All right. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, Again, Kamaka Kehao Fernandez has to go teach a Hawaiian language class. We uh, really appreciate his time, and uh, hopefully he will... uh, be able to uh, get back to Maui and uh, see his friends and family there. Uh, uh, anything else that uh, d- that you want to add, uh, Maya or James? Uh, okay.
3: n- <laughs> no, not
4: really. Maya, um, I just want to also thank you know, Sergeant Terry, and it's been a great um, learning process. Uh, to get to know a police officer as a human. And I think that a lot of people are fearful of the police. Um, I definitely was. You know, and I think that bridging that gap and having those conversations and learning the system and bringing that awareness to the community, how how the community can be involved. With their police
2: department, um, I think that that's really important work. Uh, and, you know, uh, we uh, did have uh, the uh, uh, the distinction of uh, having Barack Obama, uh, who was uh, uh, you know raised here in the islands, become the first uh, black president of the United States. Uh, what are your thoughts on that and, and whether you think it kind of opened people's eyes? And, and uh, I don't know, Maya, hmm. what do you think? Um, I think
4: it was a great you know, thing to happen for the black community and for black youth to feel like they, they can do anything they want. They can be president. They can be um, vice president, such as Kamala Harris. But I think that it also can kind of box in people, you know, like, oh, well, you had a black president, so you should be happy with that. Let's move forward. you know like oh, you already had that, so there's no need for further progress. That's my sentiment around that. And James, what about you?
3: I'm the, believe the same way. A lot of people are going to say, we gave you one, that's all you need. But you figure there's 46 presidents now and in the history of this country, you cannot say that there weren't people that were viable for that position but because of their ethnicity. I'm not just saying black, but we were speaking specifically speaking on African American that they were denied that opportunity, you know. And with that, it, it brings to the the quote that uh, I believe Maya Angelou said: it, "It said Rosa sat so Martin could walk, Martin walked mm. so Obama could run, Obama ran so our children can fly." You know, back in the day, you can say you can do anything, you can be a president. That option, up until Obama wasn't there for us Mm -hmm. so i'm glad that he ran because of that now we have kamala let's see if more progress for other ethnicities not just black to get into that position and into those not only the white house but into the congress and to senate you know that are in positions that they can actually make change that's that's my goal i know what i would like
2: i know of someone who said that their neighbor who was a a dignable democrat had a problem she struggled with voting for Obama uh, because he was black and she said well he's half oh, yeah, white that, that... so vote for the his white half you know I mean it was just really interesting that uh, you know people were, were were still reluctant to cast their vote for yeah. a black man the fact that well, people are remember, still hung
3: up you got to remember we Go were saddled slaves longer than we've been free so mm-hmm. that mentality is you guys stay in your place no your place is still there Mm-hmm. So that's where that mentality comes from. Yeah.
4: So, You wanted to add something, I Maya? I think it's, yeah, yeah, just so deeply rooted in oppression and how even the black community is told to see themselves, you know? And so it's just really about uplifting. Uh, that's the work that I've Kisa and I have been doing is to really uplift our own community and not so much rely on the allies. You know, our allies can educate others. If you're an ally, educate your own people on how to, you know, be anti-racist. But it's so deeply ingrained in our American culture that um, I think that it's, we have a long way to go. But by having this conversation we are opening up these opportunities. And I think the more we have these conversations, the more progress we can make.
2: We have another caller on the line, Neil from Kaneohe, what's on your mind? Hi, um,
1: you know, I just wanted to say thanks for for having this conversation, because it's one that I think we really need. But my comment and my um, statement really is that, you know, here in Hawaii, I grew up Japanese American, I went away to college, And, you know, I experienced that racism towards Japanese-Americans in college. I was in school in uh, the Midwest. But here in Hawaii, though, like, you don't really have a choice. You've got to learn to deal with the differences that we have and the the racial, ethnic, cultural differences we have because where else are you going to go? You know, on the mainland, you can go to another state, you can go north, you can Mm. go south, you can go wherever you're going to go. But here in Hawaii... You don't have that option, you know. You're either going to kill yourself trying to fight it, or you're going to learn how to accept it, you're going to learn how to meld with it, and I think that's historically what's happened here in Hawaii, which is why I think we don't necessarily have as many blatant cases of overt racism here in Hawaii.
2: You know, I recall having to cover a story about a uh, Japanese uh, uh, H.P.D. officer, uh, major, and uh, had to go, you know, knocking on doors in, uh, I think it was on the west side, and I w- was, you know, just talking to neighbors about, you know, w- what they knew about who lived on the street, and someone said, well, you know how it is, the Filipino F- Filipino families stayed to themselves, the Japanese families stayed to themselves, and it was just interesting after you know living here for so long that you still uh, see some of that in these right. neighborhoods. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's common on the mainland,
4: it's common worldwide. Um, I come from, my father is North African, my mother is French. In France, it's a huge, huge problem, the racism against North Africans. Even though, you know, there was a war for about 50 years with Algeria, um, they allowed all the Algerians to come into France, and now they want them all out, even though many generations have since been born in France, and I think that it's just really a clash of cultures, and we need to better understand each, other cult- each other's cultures and differences.
2: And, James, where is your family from on the mainland?
3: Florida. Florida, all along the East Coast in the South.
2: And so what what's their experience there?
3: <laughs> it's the South, that's all I got to say. It's pretty <laughs> bad. I mean, at least in the South, you know what they think. About you, mm. but here it's subliminal. I mean, I you speak spoke of the officer that the major that went around the doors. I've gone to cases where they thought was me and slammed the door mm. and asked for a local officer. Mm. Mm. So, but yeah, my experiences. I mean, I grew up in the South. I was raised in the South. I experienced it, you know, every day. I mean, blatant. They call you whatever they want to call you, and they expect you to stay in your place. You know, the, the South still has that. Mentality. They lost the war, but they still feel that, you know, they, they still have their rights to, to treat you how they want to treat you.
2: Well, we have about three minutes left. Um, I don't know, maybe a final thoughts. Do you think uh, it's gotten better in Hawaii, or has it gotten worse? Um, I don't know. Uh, Maya? I, I,
4: I feel like I don't have, you know, enough experience here personally. Um, I think, like Sergeant Terry said, it is subliminal here. It is under the radar, and that can be just as toxic as blatant racism. And so I think, like I said, having these conversations with each other, with other members of other cultures, ethnicities, this is where we can make the change. Because, you know, we all bleed red, <laughs> no matter what our color skin tone is and so for me it's like how do we make it a better place for humanity as a collective
2: and james what are your final thoughts
3: my final thought is inclusion oh that's all that the black lives movement is is asking for equality and inclusion a lot of them forget that in 1870 in the boston massacre the first person that died for the freedom of this country was Crispus Attucks first person to die for independence but yet we were not freed for 250 years after the signing of the declaration of independence then we were under jim crow for another hundred years and then now since the last previous four years all of those laws that protected us in some way have been repealed so there definitely has to be more dialogue and communications and different groups need to get together you know to fight that not just one it's not uh, one ethnicity issue it's an american mm-hmm.
2: issue Yeah, and uh, it's important to go back and learn the history, uh, learn uh, how we came to be this uh, great country of the United States of America, to know our roots and to know the diversity as people from other lands uh, came in in search of a better life. Uh, And uh, I guess we all hope that uh, we can uh, create better lives for our children and our children's children. Uh, We have to remember to be kind. Uh, show aloha, uh, learn from the whole culture here in Hawaii, uh, those Hawaiian values and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, what they can do to teach the world, I guess. Um, But I certainly... I agree. Thank you. I I certainly appreciate uh, uh, the time that all of our guests have uh, uh, spent with us today to elevate this conversation about race and being black in Hawaii. Uh, Our guests were Kamaka Kehau fernandez Sergeant James Terry, and Maya Marquez. And we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. We have run out of time, but we would still love some feedback. Contact the Talk Back line. Leave your comments, 808-792-8217. You can also send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the conversation podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.